Hello and welcome back, or welcome for the first time, to Playtime. My name is Andrew Barnett. I am a child therapist who lives and works in beautiful Asheville, North Carolina, and this is a podcast dedicated to play therapy, coming at play therapy from a child-centered perspective. And today on the podcast, I want to chat about resistance in treatment, children who are resistant to treatment. And this question was sent in by Dan Seski from Texas. So thank you for the question, Dan, because I think that it is a good one. There's a podcast I did a little ways back about the therapeutic situation of the child, and I won't review that all now, obviously. But in that podcast, we explore what this whole child therapy thing is and name some of the parts of it that are kind of strange. And one of those parts is that children do not choose to come to therapy. It's not something that's generally on their radar as a way that they would spend their time. And so therapy is forced upon children. And that's just a basic reality of what we do. And it's forced upon children, generally by their parents. Uh, I worked in the schools for a while, so sometimes it's by the school. But again, it's not something that they have a lot of power over or control over. And sometimes it's happened to me, I'm sure it's happened, if you are a child therapist out there, to some of you, that children don't want to come to therapy. They are angry about coming to therapy. They can refuse in any number of ways. Maybe there's something else that they want to be doing. Maybe they have these conceptions that there's something wrong with them, which is why they're coming in in the first place. And they're not crazy for feeling that way. Therapy is often framed that way for people, or even for me as an adult. I go to therapy and it's not you know, it's because I want things about my life to be different. And it's because I want to have a different relationship to myself and to others and to my emotions and to be more connected to my own personal reality and experiences. And so when children come to therapy, the adults in their life want them to come to therapy because they do want them to be better. And often it is because they're not submitting in the way that the adults in their life would like for them to submit. But let's get off of that stuff, the why children come in stuff, and go back to resistance, a child resisting treatment. We are child-centered in what we do, if you are a child-centered play therapist, which means that at all times what you are aiming for is full acceptance of the child and full acceptance of their feelings and thoughts and preferences throughout treatment. And resistance is no exception to that. But we can find ourselves in a bit of a catch-22, if I know what a catch-22 is exactly, when we're seeing a child who doesn't want to be in therapy. Because on the one hand, we're accepting everything that they think, feel, etc. On the other hand, they feel that they don't want to be here in treatment with us, and yet we are Mm, acquiescing to the adults in this situation and saying, yeah, I'm going to treat your child even if they don't want to be treated, which isn't child-centered. So by agreeing to treat a child who does not want to be treated, we are already not being child-centered. And that just is what it is. I don't have a magic solution for that basic problem, but that doesn't mean that that basic problem can't be named. That I feel, and maybe some of you do as well, a level of sadness when a child doesn't want to see me and they have to. I don't feel like it's very respectful of them. 
And let's put that aside for the moment because that's something that we need to move through. We can say that, okay, a child is resistant to treatment but could still benefit from this treatment, say. We're saying already then that they don't uh, know better, right? That they that we know that they can benefit from this, but they don't know that they can benefit from this. And I th- But I think that that can be true. Therapy for children can be framed in a way that's like, this is something that you need to do that's good for you. And that's not something that we subscribe to. How we work with that of resistance is we align with it. Our therapy only works when a child owns it and when they feel that it is their space and that they can have the freedom to be themselves inside of that space. So with resistance on the front end, what we can do is if we're actually in a spot where we're able to be in the same room as that child, we can make space for the fact that they don't want to be here. We can name that they don't want to be here. They can We can name that they're angry with their parents for having them be here. We can name that they're angry with us for having them be here. We can name that they would rather be doing something else with their time. We can say that they do not believe that there's something wrong with them. I wouldn't say any of those things necessarily, unless a child is naming those things or naming a version of those things, and then we sort of name it in a way that's clarifying what's coming out of them. And that's a space that a lot of children that I've worked with at least can move through. They can move through that space of like, I don't want to be here, and I am able to express that in whatever way I need to express that, and I'm able to be angry at this person, and I'm able to be angry at my parents, and then I have this therapist in the room who is accepting all of these things, and then often they can just move through that to something else. And whether that takes one session, whether that takes three sessions, that's something that can happen when we align with them in that stance. Aligning with them can also look different than seeing them in treatment. I've had situations with children who refuse to come and then stop coming. They don't come anymore. And part of that process of them not coming anymore is still me naming that they don't want to come. And if it feels like, yeah, this is not a space that they're moving through, they have their foot down on this hard, I will align with them to the point of saying, and this maybe isn't child-centered, I'll align with them to the point of saying, I'll do what I can so that you don't have to come anymore. You're saying you don't need to be here. You're saying there's not a problem that you need to work on. I'm saying, okay, I accept your perspective. And then I could talk to the parents and have a conversation about that. And that conversation could look like saying to them, hey, your child doesn't want to come. We don't really have a choice here but to respect them in this. If you want them to value therapy and value mental health, and if you want your family system to be more healthy because we can name that the child is only a part of the family system and is even though some families don't feel this way because uh you know they all people have their own reasons but ultimately the child is the weakest part of the family system they have the least power and control inside of the family system and so we can say to parents you could get your own therapy you could go to therapy every week you could name for your child that you're going to therapy every week because you want to be healthier and happier and less reactive and more in line with your values or whatever you would say. That's true, right? That's not some manipulation to try to get them to like therapy, but that's true for you. If you can go to therapy and benefit from it and be healthier inside of yourself and go for you, not necessarily going for your family, not necessarily going for your child, if there are benefits in those areas of you going to therapy, also If you're going to therapy to be a better parent, great. But if you just go for you and you role model that, then you can at least give them the message of, hey, this is something that people do in life. And they'll know that it's something that they could do too. 
And then even though I want to see every child that comes into my office, regardless of if they want to see me at the end of the day, because I do trust, because I've experienced it, I'm sure others have too, that a child can be resistant at first and then develop their own relationship to therapy for themselves and they can make it theirs. But I consider it a win when if I'm able to have a conversation with that child and align with them that they don't want to be in therapy, and then they're able to not do therapy and not in a way where everyone's mad at them for not doing the therapy... And they know that there's a person in the world who heard their request, who understood it, who accepted their perspective, and then helped them out in something that they wanted. Maybe I'm just trying to rationalize a failure on my part for not being able to see that child in treatment. That feels like a win to me. (laughs) It feels like a win in terms of them knowing that they do have a voice in this world. Refusing to do something is a power position. We all need power and control and to feel that. We all need to be have agency in our lives and in what we do. And if they felt some agency in that situation, awesome. And from my point of view, better to have a child who doesn't want to go to treatment, not go to treatment, and feel respected in that. Because I think that that child does have a chance of maybe going to therapy later on if they need to. Then, you know, to have a child who's just resisting week after week after week after week, and that doesn't feel very good either. So aligning with is important in this. If a child is refusing, and I don't like to speculate all that much on like why children do the things they do, because I do believe in the uniqueness of every individual, although many of us are similar. But say a child is not coming to therapy, so they can have control. When aligning them with them, we can give them control. Um, Say a child is not coming to therapy really because they're scared. They're scared to be with a new person. I don't know if this is true or not, but I definitely have some parents and some children who um, have named fears with seeing me because I'm a male. And some people have had bad experiences with males. And then that fear can decrease with time if we align with them, if we allow them to have the space that they need inside of the room. If we approach them with that acceptance and positive regard, that fear can be moved through too. I think when someone is resisting, when a child is resisting treatment, it can often bring up, at least for me and for some other people I have talked to too, some insecurity about ourselves as clinicians. We can be insecure that maybe we're not creating a place that's welcoming for this child. We've dedicated our lives, potentially, as child therapists to being someone who helps children. And when a child doesn't want to see us, that can hurt. That can be a blow to our ego. That can be a blow to our identity of who we think we are. We could feel insecure about our relationship to the parents in that situation. Like, ah, you're bringing this child to me. You're giving me some power in this situation. You're giving me some power in your family. And then, ah, I'm pretty powerless as a clinician when I'm with a child who doesn't want to see me. They have the power. I'm giving them the power. And we're always powerless in some ways when we see children. We give them a lot of space. We give them a lot of freedom. We don't, if you're being child-centered, don't force a child ever to do anything. But when someone is resisting, we truly feel our powerlessness. And our powerlessness is just open for anyone involved to see, including the adults in this child that we're seeing's world. They can see that we do not have the power to force them to be in the session. We don't have the power to fix or change anything. And so we can feel vulnerable and we can feel insecure. And I don't have a magic fix for that. 
Besides saying things like, in general, if a child doesn't want to see you, it's not personal. We're out of control in terms of both how the child responds, and we're also out of control in terms of how therapy has been framed for the child to begin with, and what their understanding of it is, and what their understanding of us is. They have probably had an explanation from whoever is bringing them to therapy about what happens in therapy and who we are that we weren't able to participate in. They are coming in with expectations and, you know, conceptions about us and about the therapeutic process that we don't even know what those are. If this child is in a battle for control, they've been in this battle long before they came to see us. If they are afraid of being in new places and meeting new people, they've been scared for much longer than the time they came to see us at. They are, um, doesn't have anything to do with us and it's not personal. I have another aside that feels worth getting into when talking about resistance and might wander around a little bit with it, but I'll bring it back and hopefully it relates. Mental health as a field has a checkered past. It wasn't so long ago. I, you know, didn't actually do research to look up the dates, but homosexuality was a diagnosis in the DSM and people practice conversion therapy so that these individuals who were disordered because they were gay weren't gay anymore. Mental hospitals in the past, if you ever do some research on that stuff, were pretty gruesome places where people could be tied up for long, long periods of time. Electroshock therapy, I guess there's like those little shocks that they do now, which I guess is better, but it's something that makes me very uncomfortable. And as a field, we often try to say what is healthy or unhealthy or normal or abnormal about the human experience. And as time goes on, our perceptions of that shift. We no longer see homosexuality as a disorder and something that needs to be cured inside of someone. And I say that all that to say that we don't know what mental health is going to look like in 10 years or 20 years or 50 years. When our children or our children's children look back at at this time now, there will most likely be things that they look at and say, ah, can you believe that in 2019 they used to do X? And X stands for whatever thing it is that we're doing now that later on could be viewed as barbaric or judgmental of people, or trying to cure something in someone that doesn't actually need to be cured, that is not actually a problem, that's just another element of the human experience that does not need to be fixed in therapy. And it wouldn't be shocking to me. And I don't know if things will go this way. I can't see the future. I'm coming at this from a perspective of being child-centered, which is in line with my values as a person. But it wouldn't be shocking to me if in 50 years, people looked back and said, did you know that children used to be forced to go to therapy? That children were often seen as the problem inside of a family system and that people didn't look at family systems holistically. And did you know that children used to not be able to make the choice to go to therapy on their own, that they used to have to have their parents sign something or give permission for them to talk to a therapist, that there was no voluntary child therapy, there was only forced child therapy. And inside of that forced child therapy, it was often understood that the child had a problem and that no one else did. And maybe that doesn't 
accurately describe our time now or accurately describe everyone that practices now. I mean, of course it doesn't, right? We can hope that, say, 50 years ago when people were practicing conversion therapy on folks that there were also other therapists or other people who were like, ah, those conversion people are kind of messed up, right? Like, that's not a problem. I'm sure that there were people like that in the field. And how that ties in is that when a child comes in and they're resisting, we have no choice but to honor their resistance. And honoring their resistance can look like them owning therapy for themselves, developing a relationship to us and to the space, and looking forward to sessions, or at least not dreading and refusing to come to sessions and getting something out of that time. Honoring it can look like them not coming to sessions anymore and us aligning with them in that. But there's no other way, if we're being child-centered and we're going to honor the child's perspective, than to align with them inside of their resistance and then be open to what comes next. And that's all I've got for this episode of Playtime. Thank you for listening. Uh, Please rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend, all of that good stuff. It helps the show get more reach. I've got a website up, barnettchildtherapy.com. And as always, reach out if you want to. I love hearing from people. Thank you again to Dan for sending in the question that was the inspiration for this episode. And yeah, see you next time. Thank you.